That also makes me think. I saw a tweet Paul Rust tweeted out this morning. He said uh, about, uh, I'm assuming about the Thor movie, but he said, supposedly, funny superhero movies fool audiences into thinking they saw a comedy instead of yet another muscles and CGI slice of shit. So now it's pretty much impossible to see flat out comedies in theaters anymore. And last night when I got home, oddly enough, I couldn't, I was just in a weird mood. We went and saw the new Thor movie last night. And then came home and Kate went to bed and it was later. I was just trying to decompress. I couldn't like we're rewatching New Girl together, but I told her I wouldn't watch that alone. And that was all I was in the mood to see. So I kept just I started like 30 minutes of all these different movies. But I watched 30 minutes of Knocked Up. I watched 30 minutes of Old School. I watched 30 minutes of This is 40. All these situational slice of life. And when I was just like, I mean, Old School is a little bit crazy, but um. But yeah, I was just like, those aren't getting made anymore, though. Like the one movie of those just is a- twenty years old. One of those is ten years old. So one of them. Golly, 15, so. cool. And then one of us just made me really sad. So <laughs> we're men, okay? That means a few things. Men sometimes have strange motives for the things they do, but we are still proud. For if a man loses pride in manhood, he is nothing. I'm a man. I'm sensitive. Confronted with their true selves, most men run away screaming. Isn't this a strange conversation for men who aren't crazy? You make me want to be a better man. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. <laughs> Hey, buddy. Hey, that <laughs> was like my, that. That was my Inya. <laughs> I was get, oh, I'm so mad that I didn't say that sooner. I was going to say that was giving Tibetan monk vibes, but more so Enya vibes. Look at us on the yeah. on right on the same wavelength from the get. <laughs> I mean, when have we not been? Um, hey, guys, welcome in. Uh, this is Betterman Film Summer Club, of '98, as, as you know, because um, you pressed play on this. This is the podcast where me, Nick Flora, and my co-host dave gregory used the lens of film to dissect and explore and challenge the messaging and social conditioning that men have received in the last century both positive and problematic all in hopes to be well 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 better indeed hey dave. also i'm i think my uh recorder here froze for a second because i responded to a joke of yours Mm-hmm. Based on the look you gave me right now, mm-hmm. way after the fact. Mm-hmm. Yep, <laughs> you I'll said, take it out. I, have no problem. I said, yeah, we're 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 all, we're no. I'm gonna I'm gonna fill everyone in. I said, hey, we're we're on the same wavelength right off the get, right from the get. And you, go, yeah, when we ha- have when haven't we been or mm-hmm. something like that? Yep. And then I said, summer of '98, really bad joke, really throwaway joke. And then everything sped up like crazy, and you did fast forward, man. Look, and gave yeah, me a look yeah, yeah. like, "Hey, dude, I'm in the middle of an intro. Maybe okay. <laughs> I've learned just because editing this, we are on two different tracks. Like, if one of yeah. us keeps talking, like I can edit out the the person trying to interrupt or make a yeah. joke, and it doesn't sound bad at all. Watch the uh, watch the video, watch the video podcast. Video, Those are really funny because it'll be one of us is just talking and like powering through while the other one's like got this stupid grin on his face and he keeps saying yeah. things. It's I great. honestly love it. I, I don't. Muted. I have no. I have no problem with that at all. I'm I, here it, for it. It makes me really happy. Nothing I love more than than two dudes tr- who are super goofballs trying to be professional. Um, I have a couple things to say about the Paul Rust thing. Number one, I'm surprised that he didn't make an over the top groany dad joke because that's usually what his twitter feed is so that's yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<clears throat> he must be um, really and, upset. And, and I adore Paul Rust. I, I I honestly daydream about being friends with him. I I I think he's so funny and stupid and amazing. I love that man. But um, I I also I understand what he's saying. But I, also the reason that they don't make big comedies for TV sh- or for uh, in movie theaters anymore is because they don't do well because right. people have de- people have decided all of us without even saying anything that we would rather watch comedies at home. And we go to the movies now to see big movie movies, unless yeah. there's something extremely in the only time that that has been the case is like even indie movies, the biggest indie movie of the last five years, other than maybe uh, what was uh, uh, parasite was, which didn't mm. even break records really, but is everything everywhere all at once, which is an action comedy uh, drama. So I, I think people, audiences have we have just collectively decided, Hey, if I'm going to watch, two characters walk around central park and talk about their relationship. We'd rather do that at home in a more intimate totally. setting because it's a more intimate setting, like big action or big, like big screen comedies don't happen anymore because there are more options to watch those. And if, if it was the opposite and top gun was just a movie about, you know, Tom Cruise and, and miles Teller in a diner talking for two hours about their issues, it would be a Netflix movie. Nobody, yeah, yeah. you know, nobody needs to see that on this big screen, but it but is, I get like how hard it is because now it's like, I think that makes me even think of uh ghostbusters. Uh-huh. Uh, you and me both really liked the reboot of ghostbusters. Cause it was yeah, exactly what like it needed it. to be. It was a stupid, 100%. chinchy little fun, zany comedy thing. But like, yep. I felt like it, it was marketed as like that had to make so much money. That was going to be a failure oh, from the get go sure. because like sure. in the eighties for either of those movies to make a ton of money, first off, they didn't cost anywhere near as much to make. Mm-hmm. There had next to no competition and it was like mm-hmm. an actual comedy. Like you were showing up to see an actual comedy, like yeah. the spectacle of Ghostbusters wasn't that big. Even in the eighties, mm-hmm. it was like, okay, this is fun, but it does look like a fun, goofy comedy. Like no one was like, dude, that ghost, like looks so real it was just like yeah, yeah i mean that's just a silly ghost movie this is what ghost movies look like they don't look that real then most one, of the, it was like <clears throat> most of the the first like two-thirds of ghostbusters you don't even really see a lot of ghosts right it's it's mostly them just walking around and then the practical effects of things shaking in the room and stuff but they're like talking about what they need to do um and then it kind of blows up at the end but, but i think yeah. like until i think that's what's so special about everything everywhere all at once is that it it was equally spectacle and quality Mm -hmm. like that movie was phenomenal but it was also uh, like crazy and expensive looking and it Mm -hmm. was all of those things at once outside of that i don't know of a movie that's just been billed as like a family comedy that's made that's like made serious like i'm I'm not even exaggerating like has anyone done that since home alone like since home alone has a movie gone like Mm -hmm. holy crap we spent no money on this. We made hundreds of millions. This is insane or whatever the equivalent. Of, I don't even know yeah. what that movie made, but I just know that was insanely big since then. It feels like, oh, yeah. like we broke even. We're happy or maybe like Meet Judd the Apatow parents. made it and it's not going to make a lot of money. Meet the parents. I remember I remember the, the hype around Knocked Up was insane. I remember going to see Knocked Up like three weeks in and it, the, the theater was still packed three weeks in, which it was just one of those that That's like crazy. People were like, you got to go see it. You got But even that it. was R, right? What that was that? Mm-hmm. A, that, that was, was R. R. So it wasn't like a, it was <clears throat> Home Alone's a perfect example because there is something for everybody in Home Alone. And so the, even the even the casting of Joe Pesci is kind of brilliant because it, it even like the crotchety dad is like, oh, shit, that's the guy that fucked up people in Goodfellas. Let's go. Literally. 
So. You know, I know a million episodes have been done on Home Alone of like documentaries oh. and how this got made, but we totally need to do an ep on that oh. because it's I will, so I will be upset brilliant. if we don't. I will I will not talk to you for a full day and a half if we don't. What? <laughs> the hardest part of this is acting like we haven't been talking for a half hour and then yeah. getting in there. We're like, how you doing? I'm like, oh, OK, we're doing this. All right. How's life been lately, pal? Maybe maybe two dudes getting together trying to be professional can be like the name of our micro podcast. Yeah, that sounds we'll just right. Do, we'll just we'll just anytime we're not vibing, we'll be like, oh, sorry, that was just a quick episode of two dudes trying to be professional. Can we sorry. Do, Let us get back to the fun podcast now. <laughs> I want to do a micro podcast where we just talk about micro brews and micro machines. Those are the only two topics of conversation. Micro machines. I remember those. Remember They're like machines? transformer like transformers that only did only bent like two times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so just cars. Um <laughs> the the door opened. But did you okay, so micro machines. Wait, am I not remembering those right? Did they yeah, you're did right. those not transform into people? Sometimes they did. There were there okay. were some that like moved around. Um there were micro machines also that were just tiny cars and they had little tiny tracks and man, I don't know why that took off, but it took off for a while. Do you like cars? Do you wish your kids could choke on them more easily? <laughs> Micro yeah, machines. Yeah, yeah. 100%. The 90s. So, uh, and, and I remember, do you remember like the, the guy who did the Micro Machines commercial spoke really, really fast, right? Do you remember yeah. that guy? Yeah. Is Did he speak fast because it was funny because the mic, the cars were small? Like what, I think what, they why, were one of the first the ones to make that a joke because that was that would happen at the end of every commercial. They wanted to spend as much time da, da, showing da, da, the product da, 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 da. as possible. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then they would spit out all the, hey, you could choke on this stuff like in the last yeah, the five seconds. Yeah. And it was obviously sped up. And I feel mm-hmm. like Micro Machines took that and was like made the whole thing made a it joke. The whole maybe. They got in a lot of information. It was very entertaining. That guy was. I remember that guy was kind of a micro celebrity. Hmm? Micro. Hey. Um, for, for a minute there, because of that, um, he. There were, man, I feel like maybe, maybe we're still in that with TikTok and stuff, but like, I feel like those, those things were a thing for a minute. Like everything from like those like novelty celebrities, like William yeah, yeah, Hung yeah. or um, people that were like Chewbacca mom, <laughs> stuff like that. Where I feel yeah. like those are still things, but back then it was like that guy and like Max Headroom. Like what the hell is Max Headroom? Dude. You remember Max Headroom? We're the same person, Nick. I just found a Max Headroom, uh, tiktok page and started following it because they just post random things from it and i've been saving them all to my phone just ready to start posting them to instagram and stuff thinking like oh i'm gonna be the guy that people are like look at dave reminding us all but you beat me to it yeah i I totally remember max head i always think about him where i'm like he made it into back to the future too like he was such a big deal um where he they they, max the future too is basically saying like hey he's the future like he's gonna be here in 2019 or whatever so yeah um yeah, that's just such an interesting back then, especially I was like, how do these things become micro celebrities? I mean, the best but, case scenario of that is like, is the uh, the God, I can't remember his name or the movie he was in. Oh, uh, the earnest guy that you always make that joke about. Troy. Oh, Pro- the guy from Coda. <laughs> the guy from Coda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Ernest was a micro celebrity in the, like Jim Varney. Well, literally in, in Nashville, he was like he he was a radio personality who turned into a car like persona like he sold like he was like come on down to the lot you know blah 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 blah, blah. And his yeah 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 burn and then that turned into a nationwide like a tv show right there was like a tv show and movies and stuff it's wild it's wild yeah i what only what's so alive. funny is i know about the whole earnest thing but like the earnest does this earnest goes to camp earnest yeah. scared stupid the only one that i've ever seen though earnest and i had it I, 
Ernest Goes to Jail. I had it on VHS yeah. and I watched it like, oh, really? Not exaggerating, like five times a month for like a year. I was obsessed yeah. with it. Uh, and yeah, I never that, saw any of the other stuff. I would start. I every now and then I'd see them on TBS, the mm-hmm. Superstation, and I'd be like, "This isn't Ernest Goes to Jail. I don't want to see him scared." Like I would get annoyed at all the other ones for, yeah. for whatever reason. Why is he scared stupid right now? Um, what's What's interesting though about the Max Headroom thing is how come we remember him, but like what happened to Matt Frewer? Like the guy that played him is an act. He's a character actor that showed up yeah. like all over the place. Like a, he's still working. Right. He, had a, he had a regular part in Star Trek The Next Generation. Like He pops up in so many things. It's just weird to me that Max That's Headroom right. is a celebrity and Matt Frewer isn't. We're like, well, no, that was that was just Matt in makeup. Like, <laughs> Maybe that's the same as, um, what was the guy's name who's Jar Jar Binks? Like that guy. Maybe it's a, ble- a mixed blessing to like be, not be able to like, people aren't just like, hey, yeah. especially because he got so much hate. Um, not um, Matt Frewer, but, but Jar Jar Binks guy. What was his name? I can't think of it. I, want, I keep wanting to say Lamar. What was the Star no, Trek guy's name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not that guy, but they do have similar voices. But yeah, Ahmed Best is his name. And he's a fantastic actor. And he got, he went through a lot of shit because people hated Jar Jar so much. So I don't know. But like that. We should like, do a whole episode on the Darth Jar Jar stuff too. Once we get, once we finally start dude, getting to Star Wars. Starting on Sunday, um, I'm going to start watching all of the Star Wars movies in order with my son because he's never That's seen exciting. the pre- he's never seen the prequels and doesn't really remember the original trilogy. So I'm lo- really looking forward to uh, this. It's so interesting. Like the Star Wars stuff for me, I tried to get my son into it when he was like four or five, just by showing him clips from the movies. And we talked about this on a previous episode, but they're so boring. The first ones are so boring for little kids yeah. because they're so they're slower paced. And you know, I, I still love them, but uh, but he he got in them because of angry bird star wars like he got in them because there was like an angry bird star wars game and then also because there's like a star wars lego direct to dvd like there's comedy versions of all of the star wars movies that's crazy that compact into like 20 minute episodes but they're all lego um and he watched that and he really loved it and so now he's like he loved it when he was like six and now he's almost 12 and he's like hey when i watch the real movies I, I think i can handle it and i'm like I never you just never know how people are going to get into the things they get into. It's wild that he got into it through Angry Birds Star Wars. Like he knew who That's everybody so was. He knew who Angry everybody Birds was. Star Wars, which was a great just game. That I, phrase, I, I loved even. all the Angry Birds games, but and that was Dude, a fun. I, I haven't but, played any. I've only played the very first one. And then this week I down like literally three days ago, I downloaded Angry Birds 2. What? I really feel like we're living in a simulation because I've, I've never played Angry Birds 2. We have not talked about any of this stuff. No, we haven't. We've been talking about weird, uh, serious life stuff in all of our Marcos. <laughs> there hasn't been any time for Angry Birds. But like literally three days ago, I downloaded it for the first time. It's still on my main home screen because I haven't put it in my games folder. And wow. the love-hate relationship I have with this game right now is outrageous. I loathe this game, and I cannot stop playing what, it. What it's don't all I want to do. What do you not like about it? I don't. I, the number one thing I hate is how overcomplicated it is, and this is all good iPhone games lately. It seems like yeah. it can't just be shoot birds at the pigs. It's got to be hey. Now it's like hey, upgrade your hat. You can upgrade your hat to level five so that your whole team of birds or join a clan. Also, here's a hatchling, and you can earn apples and feed mm. your hatchling, and that makes your clan stronger. But so do hats. And then also play these side quests and get feathers and level, level up each. I'm like, dude. I just want to throw the 
burn it. Something like, but it'll be like, no, yeah. you're out of time now. Pay us $50 or watch a yeah, 10 minute ad. Like, we don't have a 10 minute ad. I'm going to go mow the lawn while this ad plays. I get so mad. I don't need, um, I don't need angry birds to be animal crossing. Like I don't need a game. That's going to like live on after I'm not playing it. Like I just want to throw the bird <laughs> at the pig. The end. Yeah. Um, angry birds. Star Literally. Wars is really, is really fun though, because if you are, Obi-Wan, you you get to use the force. Like each bird has a different, like, you know, power tactic. I, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Um <laughs> I have a friend. I, I, one more thing I thought was interesting. I have a friend who's uh she's a mother, and this week she wasn't feeling well. She was down a couple weeks ago, I think, and was playing a game. She was like, All I did was play this game called Cooking Craze. And she was like, I was like, you know what, I'll try it out. I'm I'm, mm-hmm. I'm I've only I've been playing one iPhone game for the last three years. It's called um Bricks Ball Crusher. And you oh. just throw, you just shoot balls at bricks and try to break them all. It's super elementary. I was like, yeah, I'll try a new game. This is the most stressful game I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Cooking craze. You have people walking up to a counter making orders and you have to like fry donuts and make shakes and then cover them with the right sauce and give them to everybody. And then the line gets backed up I'm and then really, your donuts are burning. I'm really I was like imagining you playing this game. Well, and I, I played it for like a minute or two, but I was like, you're a mother of two. Yeah. who stays home with the kids and also mm-hmm. has a lot going on yourself. And while this week, while you were down sick with COVID, you decided to play a game where people are mad at you because the food isn't cooking fast enough. <laughs> it's like, I really think you should try a meditation app instead of a game. Like, yeah. oh man, she started only fans already. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, or do it. I don't care. Um, yeah. That seems very interesting though that we we just are we gravitate toward towards what we're what we're used to what we're comfortable with for sure I guess. because maybe maybe she wanted to do it because she's already good at it so she wants to like show off her skills because for me like when i think about hobbies like i need a hobby really bad and like one of the things i wrote down was like maybe get into trivia or karaoke and i was like trivia 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 both of those things I already do and I'm already really good at. It would be conning the system. I'm a pro- professional musician. It'd be weird if I just went to karaoke nights and slayed, you know? No, I think that'd be fun. I will. I do think it'd be weird if you slayed because I think it's weird when anyone shows up to karaoke and slays. Like if you show up to karaoke and you're actually try. singing. Yeah. The people who go up there and like watch me nail this Whitney Houston song. Go yeah. home. I want to be people up there ball, doing the full it. version of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air theme song. Yeah. You're my people. That's what karaoke yeah. is for. Yeah. Uh, it's supposed to be a shout along, not a hey, yeah. watch me hit this note. I know. Unless it's just like comes out of left field where you're like this little 78 year old grandma, you know, whatever. Like remember, also speaking of crazes, remember when like rapping grandmas were a thing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that was a short lived slippery slope. It was, but it was like. <laughs> Um, for a minute there, like I think Wedding Singer has one. Like, uh, but there's a handful of movies for about two years where there was rap. Do you remember the one. viral pastor that did one where he said, "Jesus Christ is my N word"? Look that up. No, yeah, I <laughs> yeah, yeah, that happened. I think that I'm not even kidding. I think that's why that was a short lived craze because I think um, I think yeah. white people couldn't handle it <laughs> at that point. We, yeah, yeah, yeah. The world wasn't educated enough when that became popular. Yeah, yeah. I'm probably going to cut this out, but I'm going to tell it to you um, because you have a stake in this a little bit. But I I played um, a cover show the other night and I played No Diggity. Um, I usually close with it because people are are like, oh, this is cool. Um, It was predominantly a a black crowd um, and I got a bunch of side eyes and like head shakes. 
like dis- I wonder- disapprovingly. And yeah. I was like, I, I think like hipster white boys covering hip hop is, is no longer like a, a th- I, I think, I think they're kind of annoyed with it at this point. I know. I disagree. I think I was wondering what the deal was with that because that happened years ago at a concert series that, that me and my yeah. wife used to run. You came in, you were like, well, I'm hey, not leaving should I sense, do this? So I just, <laughs> <clears throat> well, I, I don't know. I don't know that you shouldn't though, because my point being I, I is like, out by it. right. But my point being like, you played that and everyone in the room absolutely loved it. It yeah, was a very diverse crowd. Yeah, it was crushed. video of it. Everyone loved it. I honestly think the problem is where you are. I think like it's a very different vibe in Dallas. The things Mm. that different communities are dealing with on a day to day basis. There's obviously like racism and stuff here. But just to be honest, like the vibe in Little Rock is very different than the vibe like me, even as a minority in Little Rock. I feel like my head and we had a great time. There was no like nothing even remotely awkward or untoward happened. But my head feels like it's a little bit more on a swivel because I just hear you hear an accent and you see flags and stuff that you just Mm -hmm knee jerk i'm gonna be a little more cautious around in dallas you're like whatever dude like this is this is urban this is the city and so you played that and people were like hell yeah this is my song versus there i could see them going i don't know if this is is this for us or is this tongue-in-cheek at us or is this i think i think think my my guards would be up more where you my whole thing with it was i i have a genuine love for that song and i and i i do it to the letter i don't change anything up about it i don't do a voice like any, yeah, yeah, anything yeah. that I do, you know what I mean? Like I don't take on an accent or anything like that. Like I keep it all like it's me. Every song that I do, I don't take on a different voice, yeah. but I, I just, I wondered about it because I've just been reading a lot more about, um, I haven't seen it and I don't know if I will, but I've been seeing a lot more about this Elvis movie and with, with it coming out, Boz Lerman's Elvis movie. And with it coming out, there's been a lot more, um, think pieces and even like old footage from like people like Ray Charles and, and, and people like that who came up with Elvis saying like, uh, yeah, he stole our music and then made a bunch of money off of it and yeah. didn't get, didn't really credit us. And then, um, you know, like all the, and it, which has been a tale as old as time, but since we are a little bit more of a, we're a little bit more empathetic to the plight of minorities in this cl- country now, especially since George Floyd and everything like, maybe we should relook at everything and the way we use black culture, especially. And, um, I don't know. I, I think about that a little bit differently now because I'm like, well, I don't want yeah. to, I don't want to feel like I am. I, I, I don't know. It's weird. Cause I also did, I also did an Otis writing song and, and everybody was swaying back and forth and enjoying right. it. I'm like, he's a well, black that's thing. artist. I, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I genuinely don't think you should cut this out. You, it's totally up to you whether you okay, do or no, not, but I, not I don't, I, I only say that cause like, I don't, um, I, there are differences. A you're not, you're, you're not sitting on a golden toilet in Vegas right now with all of the money that you've made off of playing no diggity no. and passing it off as a Nick Flora original. Like true, there's a true. big difference. I, I didn't think say I was Elvis, but no, I know. I know. I just mean like there's a sensitivity to white dudes singing over sensitivity. To that, yeah, yeah. I want to be, I just want to so. make sure, which is why I, I in with you at that, at that concert to be like, Hey, do you think this would go over well? Or do you think maybe right. pass on it? And you, and you didn't even, bad an eye you're like no absolutely totally well because i do think i think it's a ridiculous notion that whatever uh ethnicity gender background that some the person was who wrote a song only people of the same ethnicity gender background can ever sing or play that song or perform that song i would i would agree to that except for when when white dudes since we have a history of stealing stuff and not crediting i feel like that's the only little bit of a sensitivity that i want to keep in check to make sure that it doesn't come off as like 
I'm stealing this song or it's, right. es- it's essence. But or you it's played whatever. a song. You played a song at a cover bar. You played a cover yeah. at a bar. That's I what I mean. I played a like, cover at a bar. You put that on your record and you say by Nick Flora, it's a totally different deal. Because I've I've had the yeah. same issue with the with the Elvis song or the Elvis movie. And I have a lot of friends that went and saw it. Some really loved it. I get that like Boz Lerman and the spe- the spectacle and everything. Yeah. I think that like the movie itself, in my opinion, is a part of the same problem that you're dealing with. Where I'm like, why are we even talking about this guy for this long? Honestly, he literally died on a golden toilet in Vegas with tons of money in the bank and all this stuff because he exploited people and there was only exploitation because when he got to the top of the mountain he didn't turn back around and go hey these are the guys that got me here come with now like you know what i mean yeah yeah. um and so it's like so we're gonna make a movie about him now and then i had friends that were like oh they don't ignore that in the movie and other friends that were like right they don't ignore that because in the last like 10 minutes they go hey by the way by the way and that was it you know Mm. they Um, throw it in or whatever that's the thing that a lot of people were like the thing that Eminem did really well, which was he was the next guy. He literally says it in one of his most popular songs. Like, I'm 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 the next first person since Elvis Presley to do black music so selfishly and make use it to make myself yeah. famous. Hey, there's a concept that works. Forty million other black rappers emerge. Like it's <laughs> he's but he absolutely I feel like did it the right way where he's like I'm using hip hop and rap in a way that like I know the pioneers that got me here. And also by the way, you know, with the whole forgot about Dre joke and everything like that, I'm like. Like I'm bringing them with me. Like he yeah. helped resurrect Dr. Dre's career, which is such a, and I, and, and, and shine a light on those pioneers. And they all like, for the most part embraced him. And I was like, see if Elvis had done this, which in his time never would have, he, he wouldn't have been near as popular if he was, if he was like, no, he couldn't, you know, have, yeah. had an all black band or like black openers and stuff like that. I don't even think they would, he would in the venues he was playing, he would even be allowed to do it, but no, there's no, but we let in fat Tom Hanks. Come on, get it together. <laughs> You know, it's crazy, though. You mentioned the Eminem thing because I was thinking about that recently. I can't remember even what I was listening to that pointed this out because I had never thought about it this way. But I'm like, I've always very easily said, yeah, Eminem is one of the greatest rappers, not just alive, but to ever live. Like, he's incredible Mm -hmm. at what he does. I'm not even saying I'm a huge fan, but you just look at what that guy does. And yes, black, white, brown, anything in between every other MC for the most part is going like, yeah, like we get it. He's incredible. But I didn't think so much about. um, uh, Oh, you know, I don't remember where I said that. Saw this. I was reading this in a book, but someone talking about how. you and I grew up being able to say like the F word, like for the gay community, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. referring to a gay person by the F word or whatever. And that was like, Very I said that so much as a young kid to my Same. friend who was just being dumb before I even realized yeah. what it was a slur for or anything. And someone saying like in this book, Hey, I get it. He's very good at what he does. However, I had to deal with an entire generation of kids just mm. slinging that word around because before him, like what other rapper was saying that in their songs? I'm not saying it never happened. I'm sure you can dig one up, but yeah. Ice Cube wasn't like he wasn't worried about. He was talking about a completely different thing. And so then Eminem came in and it's like, mm. oh, man, look at all this stuff he did. So I just say all that to say, too, like is even as difficult as all that is. It's like, man, I don't know if there is we've all been very insensitive for a really long time. I don't know if there is a favorite yeah. artist you have um nope that got to that level that doesn't have something dude a great example of that my favorite uh artist of all time has been folds and he did a cover in 2005 yeah. of of the song bitches ain't shit by dr dre and snoop dogg and like in that literally drops the n-word and and says all, all sorts of, he i mean it's a true he just says the song. song yeah and and uh and we all as 
as a culture, we're like, this is hilarious and amazing because he's playing on piano and everything. And it was mm-hmm. and honestly a gorgeously arranged song and really fun and stuff. And he, he said, he says it in his book um, that he was at a show and he looked out and it was like, it was a festival or something. And he was playing it around 2007 or so 2008. Mm-hmm. And he, he, and it was just a bunch of like white frat boys yelling it back at him. And he was like, Oh, okay, this feels off. Like this is, yeah, I just gave them all a reason to say that word. Right. Yeah. Which is the same thing in that. And at some point I do want to talk about this on the podcast, but that, that, um, uh, maybe an excuse to have Dave Holmes on, but I want to talk about that Woodstock 99 documentary. And in, in that there's like a a scene with DMX, um, where he's, where he, he's just screaming the N word and like, Yes, he's allowed to say that, but the entire crowd is just a bunch of angry white dudes screaming it back yeah. at him and not looking like it was their first time to ever say that word. You know, it's like there's something very jarring about that 20 years later. By the way, and I'm annoyed with myself that I did this. I almost self-edited earlier because I feel like I'm I'm too much of a Dave Holmes fan sometimes. And I'm always like, well, on his podcast, on this. But it was uh, it was uh, Party of One. It was his book where he talked yeah. about the Eminem thing. And he was just like, yeah, I get it. He's very good at what he does. Also. Was it? He gave everyone permission to do. Yeah, that was party of one where he talks about that. And he was Dude. like, yeah, he also gave permission to an entire generation of white guys to scream the F word at me sure and did. all of my friends very sure casually. Did. And it's like, oh, I literally never thought of that. I was just like, Eminem's great. Yeah. Uh, it also goes to show like why you need, I think, uh, not to get all preachy right away, but like diversity in your circles because i'm just going like oh dude eminem's incredible like we all can agree he's like the best right and then someone else is like i can agree with you he's very good at his job i'm yeah wouldn't love to call him the best like and you're like oh i'd never even thought and not only that, that you know? but like at the level that eminem got to having a yeah. diverse crew of people around you and also multiple of not just one gay guy or one black guy or one hispanic like actually because if you're if some if you have a gay dude on your payroll and you ask that that guy, Hey, is this bother you? He's going to be like, no, 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 no. It's cool. 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 Right. Um, but you know what I mean? Like you need to be a little bit more in touch with, you know, ask people who, who are going to call you on your shit because I, I've even learned that within, within my own community. I was like, I need more people who are going to kind of help keep me accountable. I don't have one person in my life right now who isn't going to be like, Hey, maybe uh, don't do that. And I, and I don't take it personally. We all yeah. need that. But like Eminem specifically, it seems like, it seems like the richer we get, the more we can afford to have anybody in our life that we want. And it's, it's, you know, it's the a, moral it's, of the story good. here, Nick, is please don't stop doing your cover of No Diggity because it's very good. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, maybe don't do it in Little Rock because that community is a little exhausted. <laughs> Honestly, I, I have done it at a few shows and it just gets ignored. So I'm like, OK, like, yeah, I, I think under the context of my own show, it's kind of a fun thing. But I think people overall are just kind of whatever. So I'm, I'm yeah, it is interesting where you do things, different locations, different areas or whatever mm-hmm. does have a have an effect on that. You know, something that doesn't, though, you know, something that has worked across the board. Tell me. Top Gun Maverick. My guy. Here we go. In three, two, one. What do we have here? Yeah, here I thought we were special. Fellas, this here's Bagman. Hangman. Whatever. What the hell kind of mission is this? Everyone here is the best there is. Who the hell are they going to get to teach us? Captain Pete Maverick Mitchell. Let me be perfectly blunt. You are not my first choice. You are here at the request of Admiral Kazansky, AKA Iceman. He seems to think that you have something left to offer the Navy. What that is, I can't imagine. 
With all due respect, sir, I'm not a teacher. Just want to manage the expectations. What the hell? Good morning, aviators. This is your captain speaking. And we're off. Today we're going to talk about Top Gun Maverick. Um, currently, as we were recording this, I think the top movie, uh, maybe Thor displaced it this weekend, but like Doubt it. It, it, it's it's a behemoth. Also, I want to say something about Top Gun Maverick across the board, just right at the top here. It's really rare that a movie that was supposed to come out pre-pandemic. I saw trailers from this. I've seen trailers for this for three years. Mm-hmm. Finally comes out and it's so good crowd-pleasingly so good that good. audiences are like i don't care that this has been hyped up for three years it it beats the hype Dude, it was better it really, than the hype not just the hype that was building for three years but then also the hype this always happens to me without fail it happened with dunkirk it's happened with so mm. many great movies where people go it's so good it's so good it's so good and i go in expecting it to be perfect and yeah. one mistake with it ruins the whole thing yeah. and top gun couldn't it literally not one thing in that film. This will still be, I'm pretty sure like a spoiler free conversation about it. Sure. We're not going to give yeah. anything away, but like from the get go, people were telling me like, Hey, it's incredible. And I was like, well, we'll see. I mean, like Tom Cruise is crazy, right? That's what I'm yeah. supposed to think. And, uh, this was like pre pandemic and like, I watched the original top gun and I don't know if that's going to hold up. And no, mm-hmm. it's a perfect film. It was phenomenal. It was so it did. much freaking Top Gun fun. Maverick does everything that it set out to do and a little bit more. It's It honestly has no business. You know, there's a meme going around now where it's like Phil Collins had no business giving us yeah, the, yeah, tar- yeah. the Tarzan soundtrack. Um, like, I feel like Top Gun Maverick had no business being as good as it is. <laughs> a mil- Dude, absolutely. absolutely. I was going to say a million percent, and that annoys me. I'm going to start sticking to 100%. Ma- uh, I want mathematically, mathematically correct compliments only. Um, no, it was absolutely. I also love the Miles Teller renaissance. We'll get into that, that we're seeing mm-hmm. come out of this. Yeah, I love, um, I think it shines some light too. Like early on in the pandemic, this was one of the first movies to go back to doing reshoots and stuff in the middle of 2020. And that clip, I don't know if you remember that clip came out of Tom Cruise, just absolutely lighting some guy up Mm -hmm. for not for breaking whatever the COVID protocol was. He wasn't wearing his mask or something on set. And they're like back to, Oh, like crazy uh, Scientologist Tom Cruise is like going nuts, but no, like it shines some light too. And especially in the press tour, which I'm sure some of it is just good PR, but of like, Hey, look, this is, I'm a, I was a producer on this film and like it shows in the film how serious Tom Cruise was about like I wasn't going to do a sequel until we could shoot it in real fighter jets until yeah. the the scenes that we shot in those fighter jets felt real and the stakes felt high until we had a good script until we could shoot it safely and um and you're watching the movie going like yeah this is mm-hmm. you they ab- they cut absolutely zero corners you know what i mean yeah. that's incredible and honestly like uh i've heard also rumblings of them doing another one but going the the route of creed where like miles teller takes the front seat and then tom cruise's character is just kind of a, a supporting which i think is a, a brilliant if they're going to do that that's, that's the move brilliant. that's the move. that's the move right like like tom yep especially but i i love those creed movies and i'm like that was the way to do it is like you get a fresh take on rocky um we're already familiar with the backstory you don't have to show it like mm-hmm. i was like oh man like this is the way to do a sequel movie 25 30 plus years later that so many people 
just completely honestly shit the bed with like you know the dumb and dumber sequel or movies that get hyped up and then the second it comes out people are like let's forget that even happened <laughs> yeah you know um later seasons of arrested development come to mind like stuff where we're like oh no we asked for this but we didn't know what we were asking for. we didn't really want this this, this is we're, the way we're, to do it we we wanted it we just wanted you to do it well like i know yeah. that's like and yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. that sounds very flippant it's really hard to do things well so oh, like yeah. to be fair it's like it's very very hard to make you hear these uh guys ben stiller judd apatow mm -hmm. guys that we've never mentioned on this podcast before but believe no, it or not new. we're big fans of yeah, um, but you hear them talk about how hard it is just to pull this thing off like if you finish mm -hmm. a film and it's good that's a magic trick there's so many moving parts but so to do one like this at this level that was so oh my god it delivers in all the fan servicey ways you want it to without being heavy handed, mm -hmm. it delivers in all of the fun, new surprising ways that you are hoping in the ways it'll surprise you yeah. without ruining what you still love about. Like yeah. it was incredible. There's a moment at the, towards the end and, and we're, we're not going to give spoilers away. Um, we can, there's enough to talk about without spoiling it basically. Yeah. But, but there is a moment at the end where like the movie should be over and then it goes into like, a 3.5 where you're like, Oh, it's going to be this kind of movie now. Yeah. That is so incredibly, it immediately re refreshes and feels like exciting again. And they easily could have had a moment where it's like something happens. Mm -hmm. And then we think that a character might be dead and then yeah. they reemerge. We don't get to see how it happens, but they just reemerge. And, it, and it doesn't, it actually goes a more interesting way. Yeah. And you're like, Oh my God, like this is going to be this kind of movie now. And, and you're like, and and it gives just one extra like fist bump, which yeah, uh, in a movie full of them already. So you're talking about that scene where Chris Pratt comes in riding a Velociraptor. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, "Whoa, girl!" He puts up his <laughs> whoa, hand. Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> Another movie yeah, yeah. that I'll, along with Elvis, that I will never see. I'm yeah, I'm boycotting Jurassic World. I will probably, this I'll is. probably see it just because my kid wants to watch all of them, and um, I told him we can only watch three of them, but he has to pick which three. I get to pick which three. Sorry. So I think I will three Jurassic movies. All the yeah of any of the Jurassic movies because I I don't like Jurassic two or three, uh, I like the original and Jurassic World is good and then I haven't seen the newest one and I kind of am curious almost had morbid curiosity but watching something I, with, like, with a bright eyed twelve year old actually makes you like it a little bit more I could so. see that I've I've always been the FOMO guy I've got I'm a completionist yeah, me so too. if I watch one bad movie that's a part of a trilogy I'm about to watch three bad movies like I can refuse I, to not can finish. I ask you. Yeah, I have a guess which movie broke that streak for you. Was it any of the Allegiant movies? <laughs> That's that was that is an astute guess because, you okay. know, I walked out of the last sure? one. Famously, um, everybody knows this. Famously, I walked out of that. Shailene Woodley was like, the she fuck? even knows. <laughs> yeah. She tweeted what's, at you. What's the deal? She's Dave? like, bro, I'm, I'm mad about two things. That pipeline that's going through all the Native <laughs> Americans <laughs> land and Dave walking out of Allegiant. And Dave wears black. And I was like, you know what, Shailene? I came. I ate my coconut chicken tenders and I GTFO yeah. there because it was really bad. I did that no. with Chappie. <laughs> Oh, I kind of liked Chappie. I, fit, I, I love uh, Neil Blomquist, who yeah, made yeah, that yeah. movie and made District 9. And I, I was like 45 minutes in. I had finished my meal because I ate it at one of those Alamo Draft House type places. Yeah. And then I was like, I kind of want to leave. And I just left. I didn't finish it. Yeah, that's it. fair. Honestly, Chappie I didn't hate it, but like, I walked out of it. Chappie is if like, uh, which is exactly what happened. Basically, the guy who made District 9 made Short Circuit. And yeah. we were like, how come this isn't fun like either of those movies? I liked every element of Chappie, but the movie yeah. as a whole was like. Mm. The thing that the only reason I Don't stayed care. for that, I think, was uh, uh, 
I know we all, we always call it Die Antwerd. I forget how they pronounce it. It's like Die Antwerd or something, but it's mm. a it's a South African like rap group was in that, and oh. they're very interesting people. They're the people that like steal Chappie. Yes, yes, yes. Um, okay, and that's why I stayed. But it's not a great movie. Uh, no, anyway. the movie that actually killed my morbid curiosity of like I have to know mm-hmm. was Cats. Everyone told me how bad Cats was, and it was in the middle of the pandemic, and I was like, Mm -hmm. it came out, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to buy it because you couldn't rent it for like three weeks, and there was no theater. So I was like, I'm going to spend 20 bucks, and I'm going to buy it because I care about the film industry, and I want it to bounce back. Sure. And because I'm so bored. (laughs) like Mm -hmm. I'm so sick of YouTube at this point, and I wish I hadn't. There was no part of that movie that made me happy that I knew how bad it was. It was like, okay. At a certain, there is a point of diminishing return on it's so bad you have to see it to like, it's so bad that you'll be genuinely angry that you spent time on it, you know? And that's what Cats was. Yeah. And that's what I've heard about the new Jurassic World, but who knows? I had that with the, with the most recent Les Mis. I just Mm. couldn't. Also, I, yeah, I am an uncultured Mm -hmm. swine. I didn't know that Les Mis was an Mm -hmm. opera, meaning they sing every line. Yeah, there's not once like I'm used to musicals where they just bust into song every 17 minutes. But like this was like what? And then when Russell Crowe started singing, I was like, I'm out. <laughs> blah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I love everybody they, they, in that movie. Everybody. But even Russell Crowe, I think is great. But like, I just couldn't handle it. To be fair, in the actual musical, the guy that plays his uh, role can actually sing. And so it's oh. a little bit better. He doesn't just growl, yeah, yell at you. Also, it's unfair that they put him in a scene with with. um Hugh Jackman, who can sing and, right. is, and is incredibly like enigmatic and jumps off the screen. And then Russell Crowe comes in with his karaoke version of whatever they're doing. It's so bad. Yeah, it was rough. They um, I very unpopular opinion, I know. But um, that movie and then we can get back to Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> I'm looking but, forward um, to the Top Gun Maverick's uh, musical. It's going to be great. The the Les Mis movie was the beginning of my hate, hate relationship with Eddie Redmayne. I couldn't Ooh. stand him in that, and I've never liked him since then. And I've, I've never really cared for him either. I don't hate him, but he's just nothing. He's a nothing to me. He's like, but it's. I, I think he would just be a. Oh, I'm just not a fan of that guy. But then, like, um, what was the the? I can't even think of the name of it now. The biopic he did of um, Stephen Hawking, Stephen Hawking, whatever yeah. that was called. And then um, theory of everything. Yeah. 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 And everyone was like, Oh my God, it was, he was incredible. I didn't really think so. I thought he did one thing really good in that movie. Um, mm-hmm. And then there was another one he did. I don't know a lot. of. I don't remember it. I just remember it was kind of a, what was it called? Um, it's the one where he played a trans, the Danish woman girl? or the, am the I Danish remembering girl? that one? The Danish girl. Yeah, I never saw it. And I get it sounded like an important film. And so I'm glad it got made. But then it was like, oh, that guy you don't really like. Everyone is praising him. And it made me like him less and less. And then nail in the coffin. Fantastic Beasts came out. And I am true millennial, zillennial, my obsession with Harry Potter and my absolute abhorrence for those movies. Yeah. So I was like, oh, so now he killed Harry Potter. I just can't like this guy. I'm coming back around. I don't know. He's done nothing wrong. I'm I'm completely and absolutely like indifferent to everything he does. Like him being involved in a project doesn't make me more excited about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that that's when I there's a lot of people like that where I'm like, oh, I don't care to I don't care about them at all. Um, but yeah, he's an he's a nothing. I mean, I, it feels mean to say he's a nothing actor to me, but he just like 
serves a purpose. I'm sure he's great. Because but. I could say, like, I even even feeling the way I feel about his projects, I'm like, dude, you're super talented. He's not a bad super actor. Talented, yeah. What'd you just find in your water? <laughs> Absolutely found cat hair in my water. <laughs> I was like, I just watched for the listeners. I just Nick went to go take a casual drink from his water and looked at it like there was something growing like in a, it. A mat of cat hair is in there. <laughs> She's taking a nap next to me. Yeah, she is. And left her shit in my not actual shit, but um, uh, wait, wait, wait. oh man. So Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> yes. Okay. So Top Gun Maverick, which which I think. The move was the the e, one of the, the movie. Smart, they call the, them movies now. Oh, so do they? The moving picture, <laughs> the moving the picture we saw um, on the A screen. See, so I it was. I think the smart move was not to bring back the original director Tony Scott, mostly because he yeah. was dead, but also yeah, because, he, he wasn't going to do a good job. <laughs> he wasn't going to. You know what? We've done this <laughs> he didn't before. Have what it took, he just didn't. Like just like at a base level, he didn't have air in his body and life in his lungs, um, or reverse that. But uh, he uh, so bringing in Christopher McQuarrie, who is, who has been at the helm of uh, yeah. of Mission Impossible since J.J. Abrams handed it over to him, um, was was smart because him and Tom Cruise are like they have a working relationship, um, they trust each other. They it's this is almost like Tom Cruise directed this because yeah he watching i love those mission impossible movies they are my fast and the furious like i don't think watching them i don't i don't think about them after they're over but i have the best time watching them you know um and and watching a little bit of the the behind the scenes stuff where christopher mcquarrie the director and and tom cruise is kind of like they're directing the movie together and yeah um it's a i really like the visual i I just like the way those movies look and it's kind of like they made that here um there's not a cringy like i didn't feel like i i'll start here let me ask you a question. Um, Go on. Do what is your relationship with the original Top Gun? I watched it a lot growing up. So for me, I, I, I talk about it so much on here, but TBS, the Superstation, it formed me, man. I was a latchkey kid. Yeah. Um. I mean, in some ways, like I had sisters that would pick me up from school some days and stuff, but they were nine years older than me, so I didn't spend time with them. So I was raised by the TV. Um, especially in the summer, and I would film yep. or I would I would record all the movies off of TV onto mm-hmm. old VHS tapes. Um, that was like a grocery item. My mom would bring home and blank VHS yeah. tapes so I could just record all my favorite movies and watch them on days when I was sick and stuff. So for me, the two big Tom Cruise ones growing up were Top Gun and Days of Thunder. Ooh. Um, and so I though Top Gun was like it was also um, uh, it was kind of sexy. Like it, it was. was, there was that it was. weird. It was implied the, sexy. Well, there is a sex scene in the original Top Gun that shows nothing, but is also wildly sexual. Like it's like, yeah. and somehow it's only their silhouettes, but you see her like full mm-hmm. tongue sticking out of her mouth, licking from his Adam's apple to his chin, and you're just like some just weird. Like the whole like twenty like, second take shot my of breath her just away, Kelly McGillis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, so I think that played a part, honestly, though, like 12 year old Dave going like, for sure, my breath away. Like, yeah, I mm-hmm. want to see this. But so, um, and it, they were just fun. It was fast paced. It was really, really, uh, it kept your attention anytime you're flipping channels in the summer, mm-hmm. uh, and you stumble across that movie. It's like, oh, I can watch this movie from any point in here. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to be super fun to the extent to, it was so embedded. It, it came out in 86. That's the year I was born. So I didn't watch it when I was a kid, but I remember going to church camp in fourth grade, third grade, third or fourth grade. I was a young kid and I had a crush on a girl in my same grade who was in the girl's cabin 
And my camp counselor was like, here's what we're going to do, Dave. At lunch, we're going to go over to their table and we're going to sing this song to them. You're going to lead it out and we're all going to back you up and we're going to sing this whole song. And it's going to be like your grand romantic gesture to this girl. And we sang uh, that love and feeling like I walked up and and was I hadn't I didn't know yeah, it. Did you get the I didn't understand that movie, but I knew what it was from when he was like, oh, we should okay. do this. I was like, oh, from the Superstation movie. Like I knew immediately and I knew all the words. You never close your eyes anymore. And so it was like in third or fourth grade, I was like, oh, I get that move because I've seen Tom Cruise do it. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what the song was about. I didn't understand any of the innuendo or implication of anything we were doing. But I just walked up to some fourth grader at her breakfast. (laughs) How did that go? Uh, Great. I mean, she giggled and ran away from me, which is, I think, I think what I was after, honestly, that's the best you can ask for. (laughs) Like it really was. If she'd done anything else, I wouldn't have known what, if she had stood up and said, hi, my name is so-and-so I would have crapped myself. You would. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, you would have taken a goose in your pants. (laughs) That's not funny, but thank you for laughing at that. Um, I thought it was great. No, I, uh, but so anyway, it, I, I, it was very much a part of like the film zeitgeist for me growing up. Um, and then we rewatched it before Kate had never seen it at all. So before we went to oh, okay. Maverick, we, we rewatched it. But you tell me before I get into any of that, what where where did you stand with the original? I, I never saw it. I think it was once again, as has been documented on this podcast several times, James Dobson interjected. <laughs> and uh, so my mom was uh, absolutely everything she got about movies, music, TV, anything was from the focus on the family weekly magazine that would come out. Yeah. And in it would be like, here's here's what's popular right now. And here's why it's the devil. It was all like, this was, I mean, 86 is the year that the fourth season of stranger things takes place. A big role in that new stranger things season that just happened while we were recording this, by the way, um, is the satanic panic element of everything. And this was in the height of that. So like my mom's like, no, no shame to her. She thought she was doing the best thing she could do to protect her kids and stuff. But she, and also was just, unplugged from the world of pop culture since she had kids which a lot of people do so she was absolutely like absolutely not you know like we were yeah, in, yeah, we, yeah. Were, we were an indiana jones family and a star wars family and a princess bride family and like we watched these movies that were popular but like <laughs> but in, and honestly like had way more stuff in it than than some of these we want to see movies without homoerotic volleyball scenes yeah, yeah, yeah. where only the minorities die that's yeah, basically for- <laughs> what jay what indiana jones is <laughs> pretty much um and or so, the bad guys are nazis and, yes know? and so for, for us we we just skip this one all together i think because of the sexual element of it also yeah. it is the original is a pg movie and has so much so many so much language in it it's wild it really does um, it genuinely does and I, I will say i'd never we we rented it when we watched it this last time i didn't remember how much language was in it we sound, we sound like the, james dobson referring probably because to the right tbs now. superstation how many times exactly. like did i record things off of tv and then rent the movie when I stayed at a friend's house and there were yeah. so many, we talked about this before yep. you're like, Oh Last no. Episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um, but that um, is no, that, but yeah. So, so, so I didn't get to see this movie until I think I was staying at a friend's house whose mom loved it. And I was maybe yeah, like she did. seven. Yeah, she did. I was She's maybe like, you guys 17. like volleyball. <laughs> I think I was 17, 18. I, I just started working at a video store, which means I got real pretentious really quick. So like I, I was watching like, I had just seen like hard eight PT Anderson's first yeah, movie. Yeah, it was yeah. like, like it was just, I was really into like indie cinema and she was like, this is a classic. You got to watch it. And so she showed us and you in one it. night, she showed us top gun and Goonies. And I was like, I hate both of these, both of these. I still like, hate Goonies. Goonies. Goonies was too loud. I was too old to relate to it. 
Um, I wanted to like it because I'd heard it quoted a million times. And Top Gun was just, I couldn't, it was so cheesy and stupid. I, I Dude, just, Goonies is not a good film on no, any level. I, and I don't I, want I, anyone involved in that film to feel bad about it. But it's like that Goonies is the the equivalent of like someone uh, like a stand up getting on stage and saying not jokes in the form of jokes, yes. like with the vocal tone and just everyone laughing. That's a good metaphor. You're right. And you're like, this movie's uh, not funny. There's no yeah. story. Anyway, sorry. Paul, Paul F. Tompkins says, uh, uh, I've heard him say a few times, like some people get up on stage and make the sounds of comedy, yeah. but they're not actually saying anything funny. And I was like, that is what um, that movie, you're right. That's what that movie, it doesn't really, there's nothing there. I, I feel like. Yeah. Just um, make the little fat kid to. do the truffle shuffle, which like mm-hmm. poor kid first. Poor off. Kid. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, that sorry, guy has a that actor has an eating disorder now. I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, um, I know. He's, he's on he's, he's on TikTok talking about it. It's great. But um uh anyway, yeah. So for me, it was like, wait, I already have Sandlot. Why why do I need this? Or I already, you yeah, know, like yeah, there yeah, were movies yeah. that actually have good that's good. You know what I mean? Or Stand By Me is a great example. I think Stand By Me is an excellent coming of age movie. Why do we need Goonies? Anyway, mm-hmm. so for me, Top Gun was like cheesy and stupid, and it just felt like an excuse to like it was it was big in the like men and their machines and it was a dick measuring contest and I hated it um, because it reminded me of every dude that beat me up in high school. Like every dude that picked on sure. me and I was deep in my like, I just want to watch movies by Charlie Kaufman and I let me watch being John Malkovich. Why are you messing with me with this thing? So I have not seen it since then, but I have. Did you I rewatch have, it before you saw Maverick? No, nope. really? I think you should. I'm so, I, I kind of want to watch it now, but I'm so culturally aware of it that I didn't. And that's one great thing about this too. If you've never seen it, you get everything by being, it, it enhances it by watching the original. You don't have to watch the original to enjoy Maverick though. Well, dude, I will say though. So going back to like the rewatch that we did, Kate had never seen it. So I was like, Hey, I bought us tickets to go see Maverick because we haven't seen it and it's going to get spoiled for me. And I, yeah, I, I just, same. I wanted to go see it before anything else came out. I didn't know how they were going to handle the Val Kilmer of it all. Right. Um, because if, if, for those of y'all who don't know, this has nothing to do with the movie and zero spoilers, but like IRL, like in real life, that still feels like a very, um, disrespectful way to go in with an acronym in real life though val kilmer is battling cancer and he's got all sorts of issues with his throat he doesn't sound like himself he's in pain so it was like he's around but are they just going to cut him out are they going to allude to him are they going to i didn't want that spoiled so i was like we got to go see it already i think he's the only original cast member who would even make sense being in this movie you know what i mean yeah because tom scarrett is is no longer in the game and and anthony edwards died in the movie spoiler in the first and then um what what's her name? His love interest in the Kelly first McGillis. one. She's, Kelly McGillis. She's, she's around, too. but she doesn't look anything like. I mean, and, Tom and Cruise also, is supernaturally young. Anymore. I think she's quit acting. So, um, yeah, but I mean, you'd come back for that budget. I think the problem is like oh, they couldn't. Yeah. Hollywood couldn't pair Tom Cruise with her uh, because Honestly, she's like a normal person and she's and, aged. And, and I, there's been some. I've seen some posts and stuff about the sexism of that and everything. Honestly. Uh, that completely aside. So basically the love interest in this is Jennifer Connelly, who is, couldn't be like more adorable. She was also 51 years old. Like it's not like they gave him like a 23 year old, but also it would, it it does annoy me when they do sequels and they bring back a love interest from the first movie that you're like, why would this person No, people move on? Like yeah. people have other love 100%. interests that, that could be bigger loves in their life. And they kind of allude to that with the Jennifer Connelly character. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh good. They have a past and a history. Good. We don't need to know the whole thing. Um, it was very well done and yeah. it was very well done. And just from a script standpoint, it was like, yeah, he would have a life that wasn't beyond, it was beyond like what we saw. 
Her character was also very well written. They did a good job not just making her like a vehicle through yeah. which like he has some realization or just some yeah, eye she candy. She has a whole like, lived they in gave life. Us, yeah, like a whole backstory for her that was great. But anyway, so we rewatched the original. She had never seen it. And I was like thinking, I'm going to stomach it. And hopefully it's good enough that it holds her attention. Dude, it was great. I loved the original. We watched it and I was like, this was fun and dumb and better than a lot of the Marvel movies I've seen lately. Mm. And like, just like it is what it is. It's a movie about fighter pilots and stuff. But at the same time, like when this came out in 86, they literally were like, hey, this is true. There is a branch of our Navy pilots that are so elite and so highly trained and so capable that it's incredibly difficult difficult to get into. I forget what they call it. This is what the program is called, mm-hmm. but the pilots in the program call it Top Gun, and we're going to give you a glimpse into that world. And they honestly did a pretty good job of that. Yeah. Like I've seen a lot of people posting on social media lately like pictures of their dad who was Tom Cruise's age in 86 going, my dad was a Top Gun pilot. This is his jacket. He's passed away now. Look at the pictures with him, with his friends. And it's like, dude, y'all nailed it. Those are those guys Mm -hmm. from those movies. Um, And I thought they did a great job with all that stuff. But the original was super fun. And what's more, I will say, just since we referenced him earlier, this can just be our Dave Holmes episode. (laughs) But Dave Holmes wrote an article. There's there is a volleyball scene that gets memed a lot from that first movie. Um, And he wrote an article for Esquire called the Top Gun volleyball scene is not homoerotic. It is homosexual. Uh, the tagline he says there says uh, to have watched all of this unfold on the big screen, big screen right in the middle of puber- puberty was simply not fair. Um, and he does a really good job from that perspective, even just laying out like, dude, yeah, here's what this scene was to me. Like yeah. I experienced that in 86. That gave me a lot of context for it, which I thought was a lot of fun. That was a great um, article. It was a really good article. But anyway, so we watched that and then. And then I immediately, this was so fun. This is the closest I'll ever get to having kids and watching things through the magic of a 12-year-old's eyes like you were talking about. Like Kate? Yeah, it was Kate. But we watched the original, and then she had never even seen the trailer. Then we watched the trailer, and, you know, Miles Teller comes in. She's like, yeah, this looks fun. This looks fun. And uh, in the trailer, I think Miles turns to Tom, and he's just like, trust you, the way my dad trusted you. Mm -hmm. And Kate, like got goosebumps she was like no way unintended goosebumps like yeah (laughs) like so that was fun to head into it with her excitement we saw it Mm -hmm. the next night but her excitement of like dude that's goose's son how is this gonna result like it was so fresh for her you know um oh that's great that's really fun that was a lot of fun headed into it for us but yeah and and it it just delivered on absolutely every Mm -hmm. level that a movie can deliver on. That's cool. You know, in one thing I will say that I respect about Top Gun and Top Gun Maverick is they are movies that don't try to do anything that they aren't. They, they, they know their lane, they stay in it. And the same thing, like the original, especially like it isn't trying to be anything other than, uh, it's, it's a, it's a very like basic plot that, yeah, that this structures around, um, a bunch of, cute guys in the eighties running around and, and comparing dicks essentially and like getting into planes and stuff. And you and know, what's I, crazy though. I appreciate is, that. You know, what's crazy too. Rewatching the original. Cause I remembered it. I think through my own foggy lens of like, yeah, a bunch of alpha bros in planes yeah, doing their too. thing. Mm-hmm. But the truth is the movies about Maverick, who is very Tom Cruise's character is a really, um, great pilot but he hasn't really done much of anything yet he's Mm -hmm. done one crazy maneuver that got him in trouble and then uh he has 
they go through a bunch of training simulations. His buddy mm-hmm. dies. And then the the captain, I can't remember the character, his name or what his role is or whatever. I think he's a captain, comes in and just tells him, like, hey, you're a Top Gun pilot. That's not going to be the first person you know that dies. Mm-hmm. You have to let him go and just walks out of the room. And I remember from, I think, my younger perspective seeing that at a younger age i was like yeah 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 on to the next scene this isn't a sad movie you know what i mean i'm, I'm, like, I'm a seven i'm a seven i'm a seven let's go yeah well not just that but that's what they're doing they're just trying to go hey right. just get out of this and move on mm-hmm. but it's like no this is that's actually like and they deal with that a lot in this next movie too i mean just because that is the whole point of these films is like exploring these guys it's like hey you have to be an arrogant cocky a-hole you want your fighter pilot and your surgeon to be an absolutely egomaniac because if they're not they're gonna mess up like you want them to have insane confidence in what they're doing kate my my wife is getting foot surgery again uh in august on her her second last surgery dude her surgeon is such an alpha bro I can't stand the guy, but he comes in and he's just like, yeah, and I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And honestly, it's, yeah, it's a very complicated deal, but I do them all day, literally. And I'm like, and he annoys the crap out of me, but that's what I want from him. But I feel like that. It's Stephen Strange. The ego is just like, oh my God. But I think that original Top Gun was doing a better job than I was able to realize at a young age at showing that like Mm. the, the, the high wire act it is to be like, I can do this versus, um, like hey my me and all of the my best friends and all the people i'm closest to in my life could die so easily right now Mm -hmm. and probably will and if they don't now they will in one of the future missions and not only do i have to accept that when it happens i have to immediately move on or or more of them will die on the next mission like the the original movie really did did do a better job of getting into that than I remembered. But this new film does such a good job of going like, mm-hmm. we're not going to get preachy and woke on you, but yeah, look at what these people put them. Like the I had PTSD empathy for these guys that middle school me would have gone. Oh, these are just the guys that beat me up. Like you were saying earlier, like these are just the jocks, but like it gives you empathy for them to go. Wow. What they're, what they deal with on a psychological level is truly remarkable. You know? Yeah. That's a great point. I think also like, showing I, I don't i don't remember the first one so i don't know how much is this is in there but i like that tom cruise in this actually plays um they play him up really well in maverick to not be he is very very good at his job but he is not a superhero so like they show they show the point where he 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 gets really worried he gets really you can tell that he he isn't over the top cocky as much as he's confident in his skill set and they show him several times like um you know, almost not getting there or him doubting himself yeah. or him really questioning that or being like, is this the right move? Or like, you know, obviously he's worried in the, in the new movie, um, goose's son, his best friend who, who dies in the original. That's the one thing. If you don't know anything about top gun, you know, that goose, goose but, dies, uh, yeah. it is, is played by Miles Teller in, in, uh, in an eye rolly, but weirdly works way named rooster. Um, mm-hmm. is, is very like, he's worried about him. Cause he's like this, he knows the risks and everything, but like, in the in the Mission Impossible movies, I'm never worried that Ethan Hunt's going to die because everything he tries works out. Right. It's very James Bond in that way. This, this is not the case in this. I'm like, you know what? I actually am kind of worried about. In my mind, I was like, if they kill Maverick, I that he doesn't spoiler alert um, because they need to make more money off of him. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm like, that would be interesting. I actually don't know if Tom Cruise ever dies in a movie, but I was like that that specifically. I was like, we need to see that he is a human. And they yeah. really, they really do show that. And and they really do take the time to show him 
weighing the the cost of all of this um yeah because he's heading up this mission with this young group of, of top gun pilots and is he's really like over and over again it's stated like we don't know the outcome of this like one right. of you probably will not make it back like we need you yes you're amazing at what you do but we need to get this through your head the human element yeah. of this and i was like they didn't have to go that far with it they could have just been like oh yeah we're gonna go in there and blow it up man yeah you're totally and well, but they the do thing is that like the the original film does this too but like maverick in the original film which by the way his real name is pete mitchell like yeah sure is don't give him a cool call sign like maverick <laughs> and then give him a family guy name like pete mitchell Hi, um, Peter. Hey, hey guys pete mitchell here <laughs> uh anyway that's what i hear when i hear pete, pete mitchell sorry to all the pete, pete mitchells pete out there mitchell listening is to this. definitely uh, a character played by william h macy at some point oh jeez, I, I, I'm, I'm pete mitchell i uh, <laughs> i run the shop here you know yeah i fly these uh fighter jets here right oh and, yeah uh, I, I go up in there and i, I go pew pew and i shoot them down you know I, I always go and make sure that they're all right afterwards because you know i'm a i'm a christian but uh yeah anyway i was raised right but uh yeah. anyway but the uh the original film does this i'm kind of talking about the new film through the original to avoid spoilers yeah. but like maverick is never successful until the end of the original film they mm. are in top gun school uh dude like uh I want to call him Rooster. Goose dies during a training simulation. Yeah. Like he doesn't die in battle in the original mm -hmm. film. They've never seen real battle in the original film. They do in the middle, which the only the only eye rolly part of the original one is they're in their Top Gun graduation, and the captain runs up and he's like, "We got to get you on a plane right away." Like it's like during mm -hmm. their graduation, a war has broken out. But like that scene, so th when the stakes are high because Maverick as good as he is, has never had a successful flight mission. Right. He's only been a really good pilot in training He's who graduated. good. Yeah. Right. And then at the end of the movie, he, he has his first successful mission and him and Iceman can like be friends now and all this stuff. But that's something that the new film does very well mm -hmm. as well, where you go. And I think that helps with the ego. We go, these are egomaniacs 100 these guys are so so ego but they're in training right now for a mission that they're not yeah. sure that any that is possible to be pulled off so it's not like like you're talking about in mission impossible i'm like dude after ghost protocol which i love all those films i, I love too. every single one of them and the new one looks so good i can't even yeah, get into it, the trailer. but like i just watched ghost protocol this week oddly enough and i was mm. like after you see ethan hunt scale the Burj Khalifa with no one glove you're joke. like this guy can't die so can't I'm not die. really worried about him you know what I mean mm -hmm. um but like in these films you're genuinely like no like People Maverick's die. best friend was a great pilot and died before he even saw action he died yeah. in practice they do such a good job saying the stakes are high and also showing that like yeah these guys are egomaniacs but it's because if they weren't, any normal person would absolutely shatter under the pressure of just yeah. being briefed on this mission, you know? Well, that's one of the things that he mentions over and over again, Maverick does to the young group is like, don't think, like feel. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah, you, yeah. you have to trust your training. You have to like think about it so much during your training that it just becomes a part of your cellular makeup that when you like get into a position, you know exactly what to do, which yeah. is what it's kind of like the force in that way. Like it's kind of what, during their training simulations and stuff, Maverick like beats them every single time because he they're thinking strategically about what to do and how to beat them, beat him next and talking to yeah. each other. And he's just like flipping around and spinning around. It's such a fun sequence to watch because he's he's it just really also gets to show us like how good he actually is. Like he's still 100 percent because he's never Absolutely. stopped working at this. He's n literally at the beginning of the film. We see him as the pilot 
like trying to to break this barrier and it's you, you get to see this guy never stops like he's well, he's just gotten better from the last time we saw him saw him i think that that the same thing could be said about tom cruise you know what i mean like that's Agreed. why this is so good because tom cruise since 1986 has only gotten in better shape become a better actor become Dude, a better stunt when man. they're like, out there playing beach crap. football he looked incredible Dude, next to Miles Teller, who's what, like 34 or something yeah. like that? Yeah. Miles Teller also who's looked ripped. like incredible in that film. I was just like, yeah, I yeah. don't, I've never also, been fantastic so impressed. Casting. Fantastic casting, but I've, I've never been so impressed by um, a, a man's body that like I could, there was no room left for me to be threatened by him because no, I was so no. impressed. But yeah, you mentioned the cast. Miles Teller, Glenn Powell, Jennifer Conley, John Hamm, Lewis Pullman. Mm-hmm. Um, Ed Harris. A, Ed in. Harris. Jay Ellis uh, from Insecure. Loved a lot of other things. Jay but Ellis, yeah. Loved seeing him in there. Um, a lot of others that I haven't like called out. Uh, Do you know? Manny, Manny Jacinto. Did you catch him in there? The guy? No. Uh, Where's Yeah, Manny? the guy from, uh, what's Good his place. name? He plays, he plays Fritz. He's like, he just is in the background in one thing. Or I don't even remember if he had a line. I remember seeing him and being like, wait, was that? And then I looked it up later and I was like, dude, I so can't even Jason think of his name now. From a, yeah, Jason. From a Good Place? The Good Place, yeah. Dude, do you know, I, I learned this uh, afterwards, but did you do you know who Lewis Pullman is? The guy no. with the glasses? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bill Pullman's son. I mean, that makes so much look, sense. Look at him. <laughs> he, he looks just like his dad. It's, dude, it's he wild, really dude. does. It's wild. Now that I see, like, you can see that little like thin lip side smile thing. Uh, he has a little like sm- yeah exactly he plays Holy bob crap. his call sign is bob because they they didn't give him an actual the greatest president in the history of our country bill <laughs> pullman absolutely um is there speaking of because we're right around fourth of july is there a better speech in any film a more i will not go silently speech? in the night <laughs> even in his delivery of it incredible no um there is no, I, I remember watching that in the theater. I was probably like 12 independence day, independence yeah. day. And just being like, I will follow him to the ends of the earth. <laughs> like I, I almost joined the military um, <laughs> based on that. Um, and, and not only that, but like you get to see, that's the first scene where we get to in independence day, the movie where we get to see the entire cast together. So you see Randy Quaid standing oh, next to Will Smith, that. standing good. next to Jeff Goldblum, standing next to Mae Whitman, standing next to Vivica A. Fox. You see them all in there. And, and it's they're like, all oh, about to go on their own missions. Mm-hmm. That's so we've been good, following. Right? We've been following all of these people separately. And that's the first time. So I'm getting goosebumps, dude. Uh, why why is that in my DNA? I love movies. Why I love that? movies. I literally have the same thing like when you said that. I why was like, is that in why is that in our <laughs> DNA? Like that was such an incredible another another good example of of a sequel done wrong is the 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 second independence day like oh could it, lord they, kill me they could have can they redo it can we call a mulligan can we read because independence day was such an affecting movie when it came out you know and, and really i feel was. like i was like they could redo it now and let let may whitman be in it she's still acting she's great um the the entire all of the students who make it to the top gun class they bring maverick back in to be their instruct instructor yeah Apparently he's not anymore because the last movie leaves us off with he's going to stay here and be an instructor. Uh, this is all in the trailer, so I'm not spoiling anything. But every all of the students they bring back in there, you're like, dude, this is mm-hmm. it, it. It was perfectly cast to have the nerd, the uh, female presence, some diversity, the Iceman kind of jock of it all, like the mm-hmm. really cocky guy, Rooster, Goose's legacy, like all of that stuff. It was so well balanced and then still really fun to go like, oh, these guys 
there's still a nerd in the cool group. Like these are mm -hmm. the best of the best of the best that there have ever been at this job. And there's still a, there's still a nerd. What do they call that guy? They just call him Bob. Don't they? His, his name, name is just Bob. Bob. They didn't give him an he actual call. call sign. His name is Robert and they called him Bob. That'd be like if, if, if Maverick's call sign was Peter, even though his name is Pete, <laughs> yeah. they actually made it longer. Um. <laughs> Patrice. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was so, so, so well cast. But here's the thing. I think the more I thought about this film, like it's it's going to deliver on every level. This is the only, this is such a small spoiler, but I'm going to say right now, if you don't want even a little bitty Fast one, hit that 30 like, second uh, forward button and it'll yeah. be over by then. The only song we didn't get to hear in this movie was the Take My Breath Away song. And I was pissed. It I wanted that like so bad. And also at the end, there's a Lady Gaga ballad. Just have her sing Take My Breath Away. Literally, we got great balls of fire. We got the Honestly, nair, 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 can you hear nair, nair, nair. can you hear and highway to the danger zone? That's in there. But can't yeah. you hear? I could see a Lady Gaga take my breath away being on the charts, like being like on the radio right now. Dude, running up that hill is number one right now or whatever. Of right? course that could and that and that's like that aesthetic, that song, the yeah. doom 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 ksh, 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 like yeah. That's back in right now. So yeah, give us a so, cover of that song. That's all I wanted. But anyway. 80s production, um, but Lady Gaga singing it. That'd be fantastic. So good. But it's interesting. The more I think about this movie, it's I think the reason it's so good is it has there's serious substance there, but it's so mm -hmm. it, it'd be so easy just to make a stupid fighter jet movie. Mm -hmm. It would also be so easy to make a really preachy, woke Top Gun sequel, which would yeah. make the most leftist of the left, left, leftist roll their eyes. Mm -hmm. What I loved about this is they gave us a movie that is essentially about men learning how to admit they're afraid and learning how to apologize and learning how to forgive. And they made it super fun and they tricked every one of us. Because, <laughs> like, by the end of that, like, it literally was a week Dude. later, where I was like, this is a movie about guys admitting they're scared and learning how to apologize to people who threaten them. Mm -hmm. And I am just now realizing this wasn't just a fun airplane movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it has so levels. masterfully done. I know they did such a good job with it. And like, and it it's all believable too. Like the, mm -hmm. the, the transition from, it always annoys me in movies when it's like these two hate each other and some minor thing happened. And then all of a sudden they're best friends. You're like, mm. um, but they, between like Maverick and rooster, like their whole dynamic, the entire time is complicated from the jump for multiple reasons that you'll have to watch the movie to figure out beyond his dad. Mm -hmm. um, behind goose beyond goose which was it, also great like because mm -hmm. that would have been so easy to be like no you killed my dad and it's like no he's been exonerated like, it's more the than first that. movie did a, there was a whole investigation on whether or not it was mav's fault it yeah. wasn't blah 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 but that would have been easy to make that all the conflict it was such good they, yeah they it was nuanced it there, there was more going on there and i like that they the the exposition was also dealt with very carefully too um because Jennifer Connelly is a new character to us, but she also wasn't around when the original happened. So she was kind of like, wait, what happened? And so he gets to tell, mm -hmm. well, okay. You know, like I, all the different reasons, but um, yeah, I, I, it, but the, the shift from them being like, okay, we have to work together now is kind of, which you knew it was coming, but like yeah. is it was just done in such a believable way that you're like, yeah, absolutely. Cause at the end of the day, you absolutely would trust yourself in the arms, in the hands of like Maverick. Cause that dude is like, He's been through it. He's he as much as you might not trust him in certain ways, there's other ways you would trust him with your life. And I think yeah. in general, they show that with like, yeah, that guy's the douche nozzle. This guy's like the coward. This guy's blah, 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 blah. And then but together when it comes down to it, 
they all trust each other and they're all on each other's team. And that that part really like was affecting. The other thing that I think is incredible about this film, just from this like the um, I'm 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 going to do this very neutrally. If I don't sound excited, <laughs> it's not because it wasn't a good film. You just know how averse yeah. I am to wine. You're very good at this. I went and saw Thor last night. I went and saw uh, Love and the, Thunder. The Dark World. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I went and saw the Dark World last night. Um, in my he's bedroom a, on a VHS. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, I went and saw it, and like something that stands out to me just now thinking about Top Gun after having seen that last night is how real Top Gun felt. We see crazy shit nowadays. Yeah. Like, especially with the superhero thing, you've got Brie Larson coming out of space like a fireball and just slicing through a spaceship like it's butter. Like, mm-hmm. our our eyes see crazy things happen on film all the time now, and I think we've gotten very accustomed to that. But yeah. something else that I thought was really cool about this is that, like, they actually got into fa18s in this movie pulled real g's and had like imax grade cameras mounted inside the cockpits of these things just figuring out how to mount those without them snapping off of their mounts and literally ending someone's life inside that cockpit like i can't imagine what all went into that but when you see these actors pulling like what in the movie i think is upwards of eight to nine uh, maybe even close to 10 g's which is Mm -hmm. like the human body's max they were pulling four in the in the actual footage but you can see them like trying to breathe trying to not let their lungs actually collapse like yeah and so like that was added i read somewhere um and i didn't research this beforehand i should have because this would have been really interesting to talk about but like (laughs) that the actors had to learn how to operate those cameras themselves because it wasn't like you had someone behind you in the seat flying the jet you're in the front seat not flying it Mm. and literally just manning the cameras and getting the shots and pretending. And it's like, but you're actually in an FA 18 going through all that stuff. That's incredible. And that like coming off of Thor last night, not saying it was good for good or for bad, but it is all CGI. Like all the Marvel films are all green screen for the most part. I think even half of Chris Hemsworth muscles are green screen at this point, Mm -hmm. but like, or are CGI. But um, it was like, Oh, this feels like you can kind of trick the human eye, but you know when you know when you're seeing something real, it yes. you really there's something visceral and gristly about like mm-hmm. I feel what this person's going through versus like oh that was a crazy shot you know yeah agreed they did a really really good job with that that's the end of that <laughs> that was good I'm just, I'm just start doing that now when I when I'm I forgot making a point. I was I'm just, just listening to my favorite podcast I forgot that I'm <laughs> on the podcast I was just like this is good I wonder where he, I wonder what Nick's gonna say next. <laughs> Oh no! Get, oh no! I'm Nick. I'm Nick. <laughs> that good, Dave. That good. That good. No, I'm gonna start doing that at the end. I'm gonna. I want like a. We're, let's do this like walkie talkies over and out. Yeah, over. So or just over, not out. Um, I I can't talk about this movie without talking about John Hamm because I love him so much. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. So John Hamm is in this movie and he plays the stereotypical, you know, uh, military upper, guy. Up, yeah, military. Uh, whatever he is, I don't know what his ranking is, but um, that's like we we don't want you to be here, but we have to. He's like kind of a by the book kind of guy. He does a really good job of being. He's not the villain. There really is no villain. Um, but he is like, Mm-mm. oh yeah, the, they're in the military. They can't just be like flying by the seat of their pants. Like, but sometimes they do kind of need somebody who's a little bit a little bit rogue. And we love watching those movies, right? So um, that's why Beverly Hills Cop 
is a, is a thing when we were kids. Yeah. Um, it's, we love those types of, of movies. And so, um, anyway, I just wanted to mention John Hamm out loud. Dude, he's so good I in it. He, he does. I love him. Does and you're job. right. They, it's really good. Like there is a lot of tension between Tom Cruise and John Hamm and Miles Teller mm-hmm. um, and Ed Harris and uh, like a lot of other like Val Kilmer. He is in this. I mean, that's not a spoiler. He's on the cast list. Yeah, there's tension between everybody, but there's no villain. They also I this was interesting. This was one of the first semi-politically correct international disputes I've ever seen because I don't know if you noticed at the end when they're fighting people all of the bad guys are just fighting they're flying in there's like a real bad bad guy scene at the end towards the end and they're just fighting in flying in black planes that are unmarked we never know what country it is or off of what coast they are they're just like look we're not going to piss off Russia we're not going to piss off South Korea (laughs) yeah exactly it's just not important like it would it would feel weird it would feel weirdly political to even mention that we're going to blow up a you it's know, just that's an interesting threat. thing, though, because to think about where the average American's mind was in 86, it yeah. was, oh, Germans and Russians and Koreans are all terrorists. And then in the 90s and early aughts, it was Muslims are all terrorists. And now in 2022, it's like, hey, look, this is a bad guy. And we're not going to get into the fact that, like, oh, yeah, America likes war. And we're usually actually, if you stop and think about it, maybe the bad guys. And like, mm-hmm. it's like, look, 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 we don't want to spoil it for you. Fighter jets are cool. And like, they're, yeah. we're just fighting. Someone's got uranium. Don't worry about it. No one don't should have it. it. Yeah. <laughs> we're just like, okay. <laughs> That's why in, in Back to the Future, they made it, made it to Libyans because Libya was like, I don't know. Like, they're just like, they just kind of made somebody up. They're like, it seems yeah. like they would have something like this. Um, but yeah, you're right. I, I feel like that was a that was definitely a conversation they had. That was definitely a conversation. I'm sure. I'm sure. Like, like yeah, what just, if we just left them out? Just put them in it, black planes, which honestly, was a bummer because they looked so cool. Why do the black bad guys add, have to be flying add in black? Top Gun Maverick to the list of along with Dolly Parton um, of things that everybody, no matter what your political spectrum is, uh, you can agree on is great. <laughs> You know what I wonder, too? It makes me think of movies like 21 Jump Street, the reboot, phenomenal yeah. films, all both all both of them. Yeah, I love them. All, both. all two of them. Uh, I was thinking of three and four and five, but those are just in the post credit scenes of the true. second one. Anyway, That's true. But how they go back to high school and they're like, what the heck? The popular kids are nerds now. I yeah. wonder how much of those... 80s films with like because like you hear that joke all the time like basically every movie adam scott is in he looks like the villain from an 80s he does teen movie or something just because he's a an attractive white guy with nice teeth and a popped collar and you're like yeah. ugh, like you look like the villain i think actually no, they make that people. joke they totally make that joke wasn't adam scott am i making this up was he the lead in hot tub time machine 2 when john yeah. cusack didn't come back yeah so literally, when they go back to the they 80s make that in that ski yeah. place, it's like, yeah, 100%, that is the villain. I wonder how much of that played into us, like the, a generation of kids growing up going, no, that's the villain. I'm going to raise kind-hearted little nerds. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because now mm-hmm. those there's a new movie actually Which is coming great out because soon. Adam Scott is a kind-hearted little nerd. <laughs> 100%. And it's interesting. Did you see, I, I don't know if I sent this to you or not, but there's a movie coming out. I can't remember if it's going to go to films or if this is like a Netflix movie, but it's about kind of Rushmore-esque. Like it's about a young girl in school who is like top of her class, big nerd, has her whole life planned out. Like that's the character mm-hmm. I'm in in terms of Rushmore-esque. The movie doesn't look anything like that, but um, where she is like very much like top of her class, whole life's planned out, all this stuff. And she goes and meets with the principal because they have like one special grant a year that they give or something like that. 
And he even says, like, no, I'm going to it's between you and two other candidates. And one of the other candidates is Gaten Matarazzo, the mm. guy kid who plays Dustin in Stranger Things. And he is another nerd who is not as popular as this other girl who is also a nerd. She's like class president. He's like real nerd, but mm-hmm. brilliant. And she yeah. befriends him. The movie is about her befriending him to kind of ruin his grades and trick him out of getting this grant that she needs. Um, and I just thought it was interesting now to go, okay, so we went from a uh, our generation where the nerds were the nerds and the popular kids were the villains to the early aughts where now the nerds are the cool kids and the jocks kind of don't really have a place in this or are kind of like the dying people, mm-hmm. the dying, uh, like they're the dinosaurs, Breed. I should say. Yeah. And then now we're going to this next thing where it's like the villain and the protagonist are both nerds. like you know what i mean there is no she's all that popular guy i'm gonna make Mm -hmm. him hot it's like no this one nerdy girl is gonna trick this other nerdy guy out of his scholarship and i was like it's just interesting to see that evolution i wonder how much of that has to do with yeah what that director what movies that director was watching while when they grew up you know i honestly blame a lot of that on on i think the last movie to do that really well and honestly call it out on it to the point where people were like oh maybe we should stop being this way is mean girls because you know there, there's a whole scene mm-hmm. in mean girls which is 2004 where they go around the, the cafeteria and talk about how it's like a jungle and everything and everybody has their own place and everything and i was like i think at some point good. either high school kids were kind of like oh well, i'm more than this and it was also the beginning of the internet social media being the way it is 2004 myspace was becoming a thing so everybody could kind of find their niche and find their their the be more than just what was around you or what your parents were trying to make you be so that was the last teen movie before the internet took over where everybody was like we're all kind of nerds you know once mm-hmm. the jock has a has a computer in their pocket like the nerds have won so there is there uh, yeah and, and now in 2022 um the nerds are kind of bullies where like with you see with trolls. I mean, look at the, the latest Batman movie, literally like the Riddler's character is a giant incel. Like he's a troll and yeah. he's way scarier because you don't know what he's capable of because he knows the ins and outs of like how to control information. And that is power and all this stuff. And so I feel like that kind of, that kind of those kinds of stories are going to get told more and more, which really excites me. Um, Cause we get to see like the cause and effect of, the 80s movies yeah okay we uh who's wrapping have to this end up? this podcast eventually <laughs> yeah no i have to go to work so what, what do you oh, do you really for? well you know i have to go play a show and it's an hour away so i gotta get let's do it that. let's wrap it up last week uh i've got a quote for us this week before we do all that follow us everywhere at Better Men Pod on Twitter, Better Men Film Club on Instagram. He's Nick Flora everywhere. I'm Dave Wears Black everywhere. Go follow all that stuff. Um, last week's quote. Do you remember yeah, it? It was yours. It was, that's a 20 footer, 25, three tons of him, which is from Jaws, which just had its uh, 50th anniversary or something. I don't know. Whatever. It's old. Um, yeah. Jaws, as I like it, to for, pronounce it. I, I have like three movies that I have to watch every summer, and weirdly enough, Jaws is one of them. It just feels right to be scared yeah. of the water. Yeah. Once again, don't go in the water, guys. Don't. Stop it. What are y'all doing right, in there? Doing? Get out of there. Okay. And uh, this week, what do you have for us, Dave? I'm going to keep it short and sweet because this podcast was anything but. See you guys next week. The quote is, that's a bingo. Bingo.